Welcome to the third episode of And the EGOT Goes To, a breakdown and predictions podcast for the major U.S.-based award shows. Today, we continue our first season with a nine-episode miniseries on the 2023 Tony Awards. I'm your host, and with me is our panel. Hello, I'm Kate Reinking. I am a theater is life on TikTok and YouTube, and I love seeing theater. Hi, I'm Ashley Hufford. I'm Ashley Hufford on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and I also love seeing theater. I have one show left in the 22-23 uh, Broadway season. It's going to Oscar, and I'm seeing it on Friday. So very close. Hi, I am JT Tranberg, and I also love seeing theater. Uh, I am JT Does NYC on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, all the socials. Um, and I am super excited to talk about these noms. I tried to watch them this morning, but apparently I was on the wrong CBS uh, website. So um, yeah, I will, uh, I'm excited. This I was pleasantly surprised um, with a lot of the fall nominations that we got. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have a good time and I'm ready. The way that our next couple episodes is gonna work is they're gonna be an in-depth discussion of a category of a bunch of categories. So today we're talking about the, the production and design of a play. So we're talking about sound design, lighting design, costume design, and scenic design and direction of a play today. So first of all, in any of these categories, does anyone have any big snubs? that they thought we're going to get. I will say I was very surprised Peter Pan Goes Wrong wasn't nominated. Like I really, and again, like, I I don't know if you saw, like they posted a whole funny like uh, graphic where they're like zero tone nomination. Loved it, loved it. But I like thought the scenic design was so cool, especially when you understand what they're doing, which is it's supposed to look like a community production that falls to pieces. And I don't know, does that, to me that counts as scenic, but with all the, like the tricks and stuff, but I don't know, maybe they didn't know where to put it. So it just fell out. I I agree. I mean, play that goes wrong, one scenic design. Um, and I, I think Peter Pan goes wrong. Scenic design is fantastic. Uh, I'm also a little surprised that we didn't see play that uh, Peter Pan goes wrong in direction of a play as well. Um, I, I probably would have squeezed it in there over some of the nominees that we ended up getting and on that note i'm also shocked kenny leone didn't get nominated for director like i always when they're like two actors and best show but not director you have nothing to do with the show being great (laughs) well and kenny leone didn't get any nominations at all because he directed like 12 shows yeah he directed ohio state ohio state no what else did he direct? No, was, was it Ohio State Murders? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ohio State Murders was him. That is also true. I forgot he directed that. Top Dog Underdog. It feels like he's directing everything. Well, because um, he also did Tap Dance Kid, I, and then he's doing uh, King King James, James. Yeah, which is not Broadway, obviously, but and he's doing Hamlet. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Is <laughs> he's this, the man does not stop working. Kenny is just yeah. like turning out. Yeah, I feel like he did another thing like regionally. I I was also surprised by that. I was looking specifically for his name. He's from my hometown. Um, and I've been to many of his speaking engagements in college. Um, so I was a little disappointed that he did not receive any nominations. So to start there, we can start with direction of the play. Um, we have uh, Sahim Ali for Fat Ham, Joe Bonney, Cost of Living, Jamie Lloyd, A Doll's House, Patrick Marber, Napoleon Shot, 
Stevie Walker Webb ain't no mo and Max Webster for Life of Pi. First of all, there must have been a lot of ties this year because we get a lot of six and even seven nominees in some of these categories. I also like that Life um, of Pi has five nominations and it's the five categories we're talking about today. <laughs> is there anyone in here that we don't think should be in here? First of all, let's start there. Uh, there's a couple, but I mean, I, I even the, the, the two nominations that I don't feel like should be there are more than made up for by the fact that Stevie Walker Webb got a nomination. I that was that was one of my favorite nominations of the day. I'm elated. I was so worried that that play was going to be forgotten. Um and the opposite proved true. But I I do not think nice. that Patrick Marber should be in there for Leopold Stad. Yeah, I agree. Great play. Not a fan of the production. And I I don't know if I'm in the uh minority and i say this either but was the other one you were thinking of jamie lloyd kate nope other one was joe bonnie oh my i well yeah i, I mean yeah i could see that but i i i don't know maybe i just thought adult house was boring but that's just me no i mean i think but i think that's the what, what you're thinking of though is i mean it's partially jamie lloyd but i think it's the it's mostly the show <laughs> like i think a jamie jamie lloyd directs to me directs the shit out of a fairly boring show it's the show and right and that's what made me interested in it was the way that he made those choices but i also understand what you're saying because i think part of his direction choice is to be like look how monotonous her life is i i would have really liked uh michael arden nomination in here for christmas carol i agree i would i would have swapped out patrick and joe and brought in michael arden and the director for peter pan goes wrong i still talk about a christmas carol i went in being like oh this will be fine and i walked out being like this is the coolest thing i've seen this year i mean i still talk about it all the time it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen on a stage um and i would have really liked to have seen that reflected here uh, who do we yeah. who do we think is gonna get the win um i don't i don't know um i'm rooting for asim ali but i don't know because there was a tie somewhere <laughs> like <laughs> i'm I, i'm not right. sure what do you guys think i'm very concerned it's going to be patrick marber because i feel like they love me too. Like <laughs> they love it. They love it. Um, I would like it not to be. I would like it to be Himali or Stevie Walker Webb would be amazing. Um, but I mean, I could yeah. see Max Webster because I feel like if they're really, it seems like they're really celebrating the design choices of Life of Pi. Um, that being said, I, I feel like it's. Like my personal choice would be Stevie Walker Webb, but I don't know if that's going to be what happens. Well, because we also have to think about who the Tony voters are. I mean, there are a lot of people who come yeah. from out of town houses that that are thinking about tours. Um, and they love, and Le they all want Leopold's dad. <laughs> Life of Pi cannot tour. Or if it does, it will be a very expensive tour. Yeah, because I think that, I mean, because I was thinking when like, what for a show to tour you have to a show of that caliber to tour you have to go one of two ways either dumb it down a lot like in a la fun home a la beetlejuice or take it 
up a lot and it's going to be super super expensive and i don't think that life of pie is the show that you can dumb down so it's either going to be super expensive or not go i think you can tour life of pie you think so i think you can tour it there's a couple effects that you wouldn't be able to do on a touring stage um anytime they go into the stage you wouldn't be able to do that on a tour stage but i think especially after seeing the tour of my fair lady that they could tour a set piece where the boat comes in and out um, and sense. everything else is tourable. The projections are going to be easy to tour. Well, I also think they build the boat into the yeah. stage. So I feel like if they can, if they can tour, figure out a way to tour that piece so that you can build the boat. Yeah. Tour with their own. Yeah. Well, in a lot of tours, you know, tour with their own right. stage deck. So what, what they might do is just do that. Anyway, I think both Joe and Stevie are in, um, because Kate talked about this earlier when we were going live about how the issue is to this year, you don't have to have seen all the shows to um, to vote. <laughs> and so I feel like the shows in the fall that have already closed um, have a, unfortunately have less of a chance in these categories, because if you were an out-of-town person that missed the two months that Ain't No Mo was on Broadway, you're still able to vote in direction of the play and just go <laughs> which i mean and i was shocked by how many nominations cost of living got. yeah me too uh, the nominators love because how long was that run like two months or something like that run was it was a very short run and it was literally the first play of the season other than kite runner so the second play of the season mtc is it was had a mtc had an yeah. excellent day they had an extremely yeah. excellent. It day. would be curious to see how many voters, because there's so many categories where both cost of living and eight no more are nominated, if people are not going to be able to vote because they haven't seen both of them. Because you have to have seen yeah. all but one of the nominees. That's a good point. So if anybody missed cost of living and eight no more, they're out for a, quite a few categories. Yeah. So they both had similar amounts of performances on Broadway. Uh, Ain't No Mo had 23 previews and 28 performances. Cost of Living had 21 previews and 40 performances. So they had pretty similar runs there. To give you an idea, Ain't No Mo had less performances on Broadway than Diane. Yeah, those are short runs. But so now going to talk about touring, we have uh, scenic design yeah. of the play of which we have Miriam Buther, Prima Facie, Tim Hatley, and Andres Goulding, Life of Pi, Rachel Huack, Goodnight Oscar, Richard Hudson, Leah Polstadt, Dane Laffrey, and Lucy McKinnon, A Christmas Carol. I am pissed off about Leah Polstadt. Me too. Yeah. That's one of the worst, the worst nominations, in my opinion. So I didn't see um, Leah Polstadt. Why? Someone explains to me why this show is nominated. I don't understand. It's a couch, a table, and a Christmas tree. It's literally a bare room. A Christmas tree, okay? They put the they put the star on the Jewish star on top of the Christmas tree. Don't you remember oh. that part? And they all laugh. The whole the whole <laughs> the whole thing takes place in a house, and you you wouldn't because know it. 
because it just looks like a stage with wow that's crazy furniture on it yeah I, I feel like a doll's house was really left out of the scenic design category it just it feels like it should be there <laughs> it literally feels like it, it's a blank stage with a table some a couch some chairs some tables and a Christmas tree and then they move the Christmas tree and then it's just a table wow. at one point like yeah oh no there's yeah, a piano a, too I so forgot the, sets, about the piano so there's like five plays whose sets are better than that <laughs> that are on this list like I am personally offended that they got a nomination there, there was a handful of nominations that yeah. I'm just upset got nominated and that is 100% one of them wow I definitely was like looking forward to seeing um between a Riverside Crazy and Thanksgiving play here, but I forgot about Thanksgiving play set. That set was just a classroom and yeah. it was more interesting than this. Right? Yeah. It was so I I enjoyed that set a lot. Yeah. That's so weird. Yes. I don't get it. I'm so, <laughs> so angry about this one. Um, so this, of course, I mean, good night Oscar set is also incredible. Um, I, I did not have Rachel in my initial predictions and I am so happy she got a nomination because it was such a good set. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. So and then the next category is, is fairly interesting um, because we have costume design of a play, but the puppet design for life of Pi counts as costume design um, for some reason. I mean, I, I do agree that there's really nowhere else that I would have put it. So I have a question. Can someone jog my memory? Was Avenue Q nominated for costume design of a play? That's a good question. I didn't look up Avenue Q, but I did look up other shows with puppets and none of them had the puppet designers. But I mean, because it is it is a costume in a way. I mean, for Avenue Q, definitely. I, I think it it was not nominated for any design awards. Oh, wow. Avenue Q? Well, and Into the Woods wasn't nominated for costumes. Yeah. <laughs> and that has Milky White. So James Ortiz wasn't eligible though. Why was he not eligible? They they didn't determine he was eligible for it, which is bonkers. See, it makes no if if Life of Pi is eligible for costume because of the puppet, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm convinced it's because they physically wear the puppets. Yeah. No, I agree with you that that's probably what it is. But even then, it's still historical. Oh. I know why it's Avenue Q didn't get any design nominations because it was Wicked and Wicked swept. That's why. Yep, that makes sense. I mean, more than one show's nominated. As did Assassins. <laughs> so the the best uh, we're looking at costumes for that set. year: uh, Wicked, Bombay Dreams, Henry the Fourth, and Taboo. Oh, was that when it was still joint okay. costume design for play and musical? <laughs> yes. Forgot about Bombay Dreams. I was like, "What? What is? What is the Henry the Fourth musical?" That was that was joint design yeah. for everything. Okay. I mean, so maybe there is a maybe there's a world where they're separate, where the categories yeah. are separate, and and Avenue Q puppet design is nominated as costume design of a play. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> that's an interesting precedent. That's um, interesting. What other shows do they like wear puppets? I mean, Avenue Q is probably the closest I mean, I, thing. Skin of Our Teeth last year, which won. The Skin of Our Teeth won costume design, and it was just Montana Levi Blanco, and James Ortiz did not also get a Tony. So James Ortiz 
needs an honorary Tony. Well, and we still have not gotten um, announcements for a special for any still. special Tony Awards, yeah, or the Regional Theater Tony Award. Um, but the other nominees um, we have: Life of Pi, Fat Ham, Leopoldstadt, Ain't No Mo. And good night, Oscar. I mean, this one, I think, because of the um, because of the tiger, I feel like it's going life of fire. I mean, but I wouldn't even. I'm surprised to see good night, Oscar here. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of suits. Are they very well well tailored suits? <laughs> well, actually, his suit is meant to be poorly tailored. Yeah, and it is. What uh, what time period is is it? What time period does uh good night, Oscar take place in? Mm. The 70s. 60. That's a good question. I mean, that could probably play. A, I mean, it was slim pickings for unique costumes this year. So, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I think. When that, does it place? Because if you look at, I mean, Animal clearly would have been nominated. Fat Ham clearly is nominated. If you take it to the public situation, Life of Pi clearly is nominated. Um, I, I thought Top Dog Underdog should. Yeah. Be I agree with you. One hundred percent. But. That was surprising to me. That Abraham Lincoln costume is so good. <laughs> I also, honest, I also had Peter Van Gogh wrong here because I thought their costumes were purposely bad in like yeah. the most charming way, and I feel like that is not rewarded. Purposely bad costumes. <laughs> when she comes out in the Tinkerbell dress, it's so bad. <laughs> I loved it so much. I don't know. I was not a fan of most of the costumes this year. They were very boring. I said mm. that when we talked about costumes in both of our past episodes that just like it's a lot of modern day clothing and dudes in suits and one very t- nicely tailored lady suit in prima facie <laughs> yeah i i would have put prima facie over goodnight oscar I, I still haven't seen prima facie i need to get on that one. Oh, i'm about to go off on how amazing the sound and lighting is and so i'm very excited very excited to talk about it <laughs> hey there listeners When the panel takes a quick intermission, I wanted to tell you about another Bloop Network podcast, Thrash and Treasure, where we torture the world's greatest artists with musicals, comedy, and heavy metal, even Tony Award winners. Here's a quick sneak peek with Tony Award winner Joanna Gleason. Oh, I have a first edition F of Wicked from London. Oh. A first edition. Wow. Which I got in Australia. I have never read it because when when Joe Mantello cast me in the show... I said, you know, Joe, is there any any advice you give me? And he goes, don't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because the character I played, Bach, has a very altered version of the story to help make it a two-hour experience and not uh, the full novelization that is very different. And not an R-rated experience is what you're saying? Because there's a fair yeah. bit of foul language in that. I can't wait to do a show where I get to curse. If Olaf the Snowman curses, I get in a remarkable okay. amount of trouble say in boogie nights i got to swear say just about everything and it was tremendous yes yeah liberating speak just on on that you have a minor role but it is so incredibly impactful because your character very much i think in in a way sets dirk off on this path and sets them out, yeah. So firstly, shame on the SAG Awards for not including you in their frigging nominations because I noticed you weren't listed in that and I thought that is absolute bullshit for one thing because you did give a powerhouse performance. But in such a short space of time without, you know, a whole weeks and weeks worth of, of filming before that to develop that character, how do you get into that mindset to beat the shit out of this good-looking guy? 
basically, who we've all seen him in his underwear by then. Yeah, it was all on the page. You know, every single word, every single interruption, every single uh, uh, epithet and, and curse was just Paul Thomas Anderson had written that. And you just have to think about a woman who watches the dumb, bunny, hypersexualized son mm-hmm. go out into the world and have anything he wants. And her life is shriveling up and drying up and, you know, she's got nothing. And that resentment, and it could only be an unloving, you know, kind of brittle, terrible. I couldn't play her and ask for any pity from the audience because that was not the task. No. She's just, she's just monstrously unhappy, but she, but you can't, I can't, you can't play your unhappiness. You have to play your rage, your rage that you're yeah. nothing numbskull, you know, son with his endowments is just um, going out there into the world and doing everything she can no longer or yes. if ever. And and the father, when you're having that scene in the bedroom, I saw, he's smiling, isn't he? He is smiling to himself. And I want to know what's going on in his mind because I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the whole film, but I, I sort of watched back on your scenes. And um, there was a scene cut. We shot a scene that was cut where we had been in a car accident. I think it's maybe uh-huh. it's, but it's just me over the steering wheel, bloody, and him dead in the next seat. It was, but they cut. I think they cut it visually from the movie. But um, oh wow! Yeah, See what yeah. I love. He's a director, and I I was quite young when I first saw that. Um, and I was I think I was twelve, and I said yeah. to mom and dad that I need to watch this movie for drama class at school (laughs) they had no idea uh and I just wanted to see it because I knew like at the time I was studying films and and trying to be a filmmaker which leads me to my next question for you I had another one about Rosalind Russell I'll I'll go back to that but um I believe you recently shot a short film I did so have we got any plans to expand and possibly go into feature films directing I I actually do um Oh, I, awesome. I've written, a, I've written a, a feature film and right now uh, there's, it's generating quite a lot of um, excitement and, and even better among the people who might help me finance it. So I yeah. will, will direct a feature, but, but directing the short, writing and directing the short, which we shot in two and a half days mm-hmm. was, uh, I, I never for one second in these days were, you know, 20 hours long. I never for one second was tired. And the thing is I knew the actors and there was a comfort on the set and the days were long. And I don't know, I was one of the great high points of my professional life was doing that. So I look forward to the complete exhaustion and how do I get out of this and what have I done? And I don't know what I'm doing. I look forward to all of that mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a feature scale. Wow. So um, obviously at the moment you've, you've got your script, uh, you've got your, or you're looking into financing and all that. So are you going independent route or are you sort of trying to... No, I think it's an independent feature, but I think it will feel bigger. It's going to feel bigger, but it will be, yeah. have the kind of indie, you know. Oh, look, we've, we've all got film cameras in our pockets these days, so we can all make, yeah. Is, is there such thing as independent cinema anymore? I don't know. It's a really good question. I mean, what's... It's all Apple. It's all expensive equipment. It is. I mean, it's, it's expensive. And, and I shot my short, uh, I did it as a union shoot because I'm a union yeah. girl. And so it's more expensive, but that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, finding money. It, it, there's there there's money for such mediocrity <laughs> because believe me, I've been checking it out. I thought mm-hmm. that that yeah. got the money. Yeah. So so you know you just have to figure out where you're, where the lane is and who the people are. Who... I didn't know I was going to get the segue here. So I, I'm going to try to not give any of my my opinions about the, the answer to the question because I do have strong opinions as a as a performer 
you are, I think, absolutely without a doubt, part of one of the the most amazing pro shots in Broadway history. And I, and I, I mean that both as a compliment to you as a performer, but also that it's one of the best. It feels like you're in the theater as much as you could be. You are, you are as an audience member, it felt like theater and not like, oh, this is a filmed thing. It, it, it was, again, that and, and watching George Hernandez, Angela Lansbury and, and Sweeney, I, I felt like I wanna be in those rooms. I wanna see that thing. My question to you is, having been a part of one of those, the most celebrated pro shots, what are your thoughts on bootlegs versus pro shots? And, and, and what those two things cost both the, the acting community and the creative artists who are parts of them, but also to, to the fandom? Like, do you think your career was changed in different ways by having been a part of, of that pro shot and not just the incredible things you had done in your time in the show? I, I think because PBS filmed it and because it lived, uh, you know, in great master, generations were able to see that and high schools yeah. were able to use it as a training tool or this is the show we're going to do. No, yeah, without question. My mom teaches it every year. Yeah, I, I saw Wolf Dick at eight years old or nine years old or something. It was like my first experience with that penis because mm-hmm. our acting teacher decided to point it out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Didn't need pointing out. It did that all by No, itself. I didn't, but she did. Yeah, but she did. Uh, but in terms of legs, you're, not, you're never going to stop it. No, I mean, but I know that that F feels strongly about it as well. So yeah. Well, I guess I guess I sometimes have been a parts of sh- of shows that I wish could have gotten a pro show that we've done them the Lincoln Center archiving for so many of them. And I just, as someone who is is you know, you said you're a union girl. That the idea of those things being supported as far as the archiving of it, because I know how important it is, and I I. I don't know if I would have ever seen Into the Woods. I still have never, I've seen one production of it in my entire life. And it was when it was in the park. But I feel like I got to see it by seeing the pro shot. And I don't think that would exist the same way for me with a book. No, it's always, once again, it's about money. Is there money to film it correctly? Is there money to, I I don't know. I would would love there to be a, a, a library of everything that's ever played on Broadway. You can get Thrash and Treasure anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And now... Back to And the EGOT Goes To. <laughs> Lighting design of a play, we have seven nominees, which is crazy. Come on, ties. Wild. What I, I mean, this is an overall thing, but this, what's crazy to me is it's what, one of two Death of a Salesman nominees? It's the two Death of a Salesman nominations? Yeah. That is wild. I'm shocked by by the, the Sharon D. Clark Listeners yeah. of the nominations this morning. I am I am also shocked that we did not see an wow. Ain't No Mo nomination here. For lighting design? Yeah. 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 So for lighting design, we have uh Leopoldstadt, Prima Facey, A Doll's House, Fat Ham, Life of Pi, Death of a Salesman, and A Christmas Carol. I mean, I think Life of Pi. Yeah. I, I think Life of Pi takes it. I could I almost see this going to a Christmas carol. That's why I'm I'm super disappointed for summer of 1976 and for Anomal that they're not here because I am a little sad. Summer of 1976 is not late. Absolutely, because I thought the lighting in that show was it told more of a pretty. story than they did, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole play is them telling a story. <laughs> the lighting in that show was beautiful, and Prima Face, it's. Because there's like, it's, there's probably like, I guess, like f- almost like four different sections of 
prima facie and they're all so dictated by the sound and lighting and costume that it's and again it's one woman and you like forget that it's one woman because of how incredible the like scenic elements are for this one woman show I'm also surprised that I mean I wouldn't be surprised if prima facie takes I'm passionate this. about it sound that's the one I'm really passionate about because of all of the sound they do in the show but the lighting is also incredible yeah there were some really nice moments especially with the the time changes and the scene changes um but with there's seven noms and it's against some of the like some great lighting shows so i'm not sure if it's going to be able to take the win but it definitely should have been nominated do we think in terms of lighting design of a play that death of a salesman has shot i thought the lighting and that was wonderful the silhouette stuff in the back the stuff in the, in the brother's bedroom was awesome i believe you and i i was also sitting in the last row of the theater so <laughs> the balcony so i remember andre de shields looking spooky i cannot uh, remember a single lighting cue in all of death of a salesman no there was the thing with like the silhouette in the back i think sure literally i was also sitting in the front row i remember sharon d clark staring into my soul as she looked into his grave <laughs> um another thing that i do want to point out um that we have less of um this year but we also do have a lot of is designers uh being nominated multiple times um in the same category we have it we had it in costume design of a play with um Emilio sosa we have it in sound design of a play with uh, Ben and Max Ringham. I think we have it in um, we've with we have it with Jennifer Weber for choreography, um, Natasha Katz for lighting design of a musical, and Scott Pask for scenic design of a musical. But we do have I seem to remember last year there being a lot of those um, like people with like multiple nominations. Um, and it's nice to see that we are spreading the wealth a little bit more. Sound design of a play. Um, we have Ain't No Mo, Life of Pi, A Christmas Carol, A Doll's House, and Prima Facie. Ashley, you seem to like Prima Facie for this. I loved the sound of Prima Facie. There's just like, there's multiple parts where they have these underlying tracks where you can like feel the tension just building and the score is so good and there's spoiler alert a, a rain effect where you're hearing the sound of this rain that is like so beautiful and then there's a part where she goes to like a club and it's just there's all this it, it go the story is so like encompassing and the way that they like it feels like an an audiobook and that sounds like it's not visual it is visual but it like I think you could take the audio of Prima Facie and literally play it as like a radio play and you wouldn't need to do anything to it like that's how deep and the story is wow. and like rich the sound is. I loved the sound for Christmas Carol. Um, I loved everything about Christmas Carol, but, um, but some of that also, like, I'm not sure if some of it was effects or whether it was him. I think I've heard it said about 12 different times, 12 different ways. We now know it's facing oh. it's, I forget if it's prima or prima, prima, prima potato, potato. I'm sure like Jody yes. Comer will say it somewhere and we'll all be like, oh, that's how you say it. I, I agree with both of you. I think for me, it's between A Christmas Carol and Prima Facie. Prima Facie. 
however we're saying it. <laughs> That's not helpful, people. Just pronounce it one way. I yeah. <laughs> um, and in terms of you know this these these five categories, we we have some. Um, you know, we, we had said earlier in our predictions that we think Life of Pi will do a design sweep, um, which I still think they will, um, but, you know, maybe, yeah. They have some tough, some tough competition. Because there were definitely some shows that we didn't think would get nominated that, that did in these. Um, yeah, does anyone have any questions they would like to pose about these categories these were pretty straightforward i knew that we would have less of a conversation about these than some of the other groups of categories later in our these season. were probably the easiest ones to to navigate and to really like think of who is going to take them and why they were nominated in the first place i think when we start getting into especially uh, musical acting more than musical creative, but really musical acting is gonna be where things get a little intense. Yeah, well, cause I feel like because of Life of Pi, which is just like so scenically unmatched, like there's just nothing, it's hard to say anything comes close to what it's doing on Broadway, like look wise and like effect effect wise and puppetry wise, which is a costume apparently. I, <laughs> uh, I think it does make it easier. Cause like, there's just, you can't look at the scenic design of Life of Pi and the scenic design of Leopoldstadt and say they're doing the same thing. Like, it's just, it's not compare, it's not comparable. <laughs> well, and in terms of plays that were completely shut out, we, uh, Kite Runner, Thanksgiving Play, Collaboration, pictures from home and Peter Pan goes wrong. We're all left with zero nominations, um, which is a shame. Also scenic pictures from home. I love. And I was like the collaboration had a great scenic design, but like art artist loft studio was really cool. Like, <laughs> and great lighting design and Jeremy Pope gave an unreal performance. What, what does the, what does the DJ count as? Yeah. Pre-show? <laughs> Is, is that direction? Direction? Thank you for listening to And EGOT Goes To. Join us next week where we talk about the nominees for acting in a musical. Thanks to Jazz from Jazz Tunes for our logo.